Hello, and welcome to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore, and today I am chatting with local artist and community advocate, Billy George. How are you doing, Caroline? I'm doing great. How are you, Billy? Having a great day today. I want to say thank you for having me on the show. Oh, we're honored that you're here. Now, before we dive into all things Billy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I am born and raised in Cookville, Tennessee, um, Cookville General Hospital, not its current name, but, you know. Oh, gee. Yes. Old school for <laughs> sure. So you grew up here. You are an artist, among many things. Were you always artistic? Did you have outlets growing up? Um, I would say that I always had an artistic, like, outlet. Um, at a young age, I tried sports. Um I had a medical condition that kind of took me out of that. And so I took up theater, uh, community arts. My mom has been a visual artist. Uh, she used to work down at the Appalachian Center for Craft, where I eventually ended up going to school. And um, and then her mom was a quilter. And so art has kind of been in there, or at least making. Um, and so from there, I've just kind of continued. It comes naturally to you. I, I would say it does. Yes. <laughs> I Yes. But there is a little bit of a difference between art being your hobby and a fun outlet and then deciding to study it rigorously. Absolutely. Um, I think taking that initial creative outlet of this is interesting. I enjoy the color mixing. I enjoy what could be made and then trying to figure out how things are made and maybe the foundations of it. Um, that I think is the educational part, how cloth is made, how glass is blown, um, how to make a ring. Uh, Gray Gill at Cookville High School, a former teacher, retired, still lives in the area, but he had a centrifuge where you could actually make a metal ring. And that was an amazing experience to be able to do that in high school. And I think that hands-on really kind of stirred something in me. In our community, we're so lucky to have not only these training centers, obviously, the Appalachian Center for Crafts, we have Tennessee Tech, but we also have so many fabulous educators here. You mentioned Gray Gill. Was there anybody else that really encouraged you or any programs that you were a part of? Um, growing up in sixth grade, the Appalachian Center for Craft did have a program. It was called Friends of the Appalachian Center for Craft of Tennessee. Um, Noreen Grizzolano actually was a grant writer for that program, and it allowed sixth grade students to come, and they had a rotation of three different classes. I actually believe I still have my ceramics piece that I made from that a long, long time ago. And um, you kind of got to experience the hands-on, and then – Mitch White is still at Cookville High School. He's an amazing painter, um, does private work, and then also does community um, work as well, and continues to do the prom. Um, oh, the Cookville High School proms are so spectacular. <laughs> and and I think the art department comes together collectively mm -hmm. um, and actually puts on an amazing spectacle, not just for the students, but they have an open house for the community. Um, it's from floral arrangements to the decorations to the artwork, the paintings that are recreated masterworks, um, and then working with some other people, whether it's through Children's Theater or the Drama Center. Well, Cookville Performing Arts Center, again, OG situation. <laughs> I um, still call it the Drama Center. <laughs> and um, through costume making, seeing all the artists that are coming in to the area from out of town. It's just it's amazing to see the the booming, excited, creative minds that are here. 
And you've been working with the theaters as well. You've been working on costumes over at Spotlight. Yes, Spotlight Costumes and Rentals. Um, Anthony Hurd and then Amy Ng, they're the owners of that establishment. Um, and they just recently moved down the street on Jackson, a little bit further down, but they have all their costume spots and they work on a number of local plays with Children's Theater, with the high school, with Prescott South. Um, local other community uh, counties around, as well as the Backdoor Playhouse, Shakespeare in the Park. The list goes on. I mean, if you have a personal uh, event that you would like to go to and you need a specialized costume, bring them the idea. I'm sure that we can make it happen for you. Yes, hit up Spotlight. We're going to plug every single artistic (laughs) endeavor in town today. (laughs) Yes. I'm Caroline Moore, and today I'm chatting with local artist and community advocate, Billy George. Now, Billy, you have two degrees from tech and a master's degree from the University of Missouri. Can you walk us through your education process? Well, I do have two degrees from tech. I have a business degree and an art degree. Um, I initially was like, hey, I want to do business, Um, kind of fulfilled that part because I needed to check the box of I need a real time job. A lot of times people don't see art as a moneymaker and uh, be it my parents. (laughs) (laughs) And then I wanted to have a creative outlet. And so in the process, I was able to kind of merge the two to figure out how can I be an artist and make it a business. Um, Haven't fully done that yet, but still understanding the business behind the art and having some friends in that who've already done it has been great too. Um, But having a lot of classes on main campus and then having to take classes down at the Appalachian Center for Craft was a little bit difficult because the Craft Center is a satellite campus. It's about 30 miles away in Smithville, right on the lake. It's a beautiful outlet and, and scenery. Um, nestled, it's, it's a spectacle, a little gym that Tennessee Tech has that a lot of people don't know about. And um, I think having that outlet is great. Um, with that, trying to merge the two, I actually finished one degree before the other. And I got to this point where it was like, do I finish with both degrees? Because I was doing them simultaneously. Do I finish with both at the same time or do I graduate and then I come back? And so I graduated with a business degree. I came back and finished the art degree. I actually completely switched from painting to fibers, uh, textiles, when I was at Tennessee Tech. And that was just because I took a textiles class down there. Gene Brady was an instructor of mine. And it just kind of opened my, my mind as to like, wow, you can take a white piece of material, you can figure out these chemical balances, whether it was natural materials, um, different types of processes for these cottons, linens, and make certain colors, see how they mix throw it in a bucket, see what happens, and then also learning repeat pattern printing. You see these massive bolts of material at Hobby Lobby or we used to have Hancock fabrics and these different images and patterns, and you wonder how does this happen? Screen printing is a process that you have layers of different colors on top of the other, um, but to see it done on a larger piece of material, a large format, and then to actually be able to do it by hand where you have all these mathematical calculations. So art uses so many different foundational principles of education. And then the University of Missouri kind of came into it. Um, I had finished my thesis uh, down at the Appalachian Center for Craft. It was all about memories, moments in time. I utilized tea as a substance or as a medium. 
And that was because T is reflective personally and then also uh, conversationally with people. Like we're doing now, you can have a cup of tea and share a conversation. Oh, yes. Or you can have a cup of tea and be reflective. And I took images of that work to a conference down in Texas, and I met a wonderful group of people. Um, Joe Staley was the, was the head of the fibers department in the University of Missouri, and she had a number of students with her. I met them, hung out with them, met a number of other professors um, from different universities. And then through that experience, um, she saw my work. Eventually, I got a phone call and said, hey, we have an opening. We would love to have you come to the University of Missouri. It was on my radar to actually go and check out the school. But to get the phone call was like, wow, okay, I'm on to something. And so then I made the trip. I went out to I looked at some different schools. I went to IU, Indiana University. I went to KU, University of Kansas. Tennessee Tech just played them. And then went to the University of Missouri. Loved the place, loved the program, loved the instructor. You know, I, I think finding a passion about what you do, but then also finding that environment of that community, whether it's the instructor who know, who you know is going to invest in you just as much as you're investing into the program, really creates that space um, for a creative outlet. You mentioned memories being part of your inspiration in your art. Is there something for you that enjoys taking something abstract, like a memory, and putting it into something tactile and physical, like your work? Because it's not just a painting. It's something that hangs. People can look at it and touch it. Right. The tangibility Mm -hmm. of it. Um, I think that with memories um, and what my undergrad thesis was – were a lot of words and phrases that people were able to relate to. I think we all share the aspect of reflection as well as wanting to make memories. And through that, there might be personal mantras that come about from those interactions. For my piece that I had, um, I had these different teabag phrases is what I kind of called them, and I called them valued. They were phrases or mantras that kind of got me through different parts of life. And one of the ones that really started the entire thing was a phrase that my grandmother said, and it said, don't let me hold you back. And so I made this piece. I sent it to a show out in Washington State. Somebody actually bought it. You know, it's like, how how do you put a price on a piece of artwork? I don't know. Is it the quantity of time? Is it the materials? Is it a combination? You know, things like that is kind of part of the education process that happens. But at that point, I hadn't really done that before. So I threw out a number. I put it on there and somebody actually bought it. And because of that, I made this whole thesis body of work about those memories. And so I had process of memories. I had the concept of growth because over our life, we have memories that grow with us, experiences. And then how do we categorize them, whether it's through capturing, there's organized ones, there's misplaced ones, there's valued, there's um, overlapping memories, whether when our lives intertwined and overlapped at certain points in time, when they went away or then when they came back together. Um, And then also there's the concept of, and it's hard to talk about, but the absence of memory. Uh, People deal with dementia and Alzheimer's and my great-grandmother passed away from that. And so having that dissolving of memories. I utilized the tea, the remnants of the tea itself, and had this giant mound. And then slowly as you walked through that area, then you got to this little pinch of just a minute memory that was left. And so I think putting it into a visible, visual, tangible 
aspect, people are somewhat able to relate. More with Billy George after the break. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with local artist and community advocate Billy George. Before the break, you spoke a little bit about your undergrad. What was your grad school experience like? Well, moving to Missouri was definitely something different. I had worked in Missouri in the summertime for about nine different years. Um, and, you know, that was one thing, but moving to an institution that had the population of the size of Cookville was a little bit different. Uh, University of Missouri had recently came into the SEC. So understanding that UT is down the road, Vanderbilt's down the road for growing up here was easy to kind of transition to that location. Um, but it was about halfway between St. Louis and Kansas City. So similar to Cookville and halfway between Nashville and Knoxville. So there were a lot of similarities that I didn't initially realize. But the University of Missouri art program was great. Uh, grad school itself tends to be a very expressive and open-ended experience, uh, at least for the art department. And whenever I went, it was – you could experiment a range of things. You had to take a certain few classes outside of your emphasis. And again, mine out there was also fibers or textiles. But while I was there, um, I really felt that – installation, creating that spatial environment for people to engage was what I really wanted to do. Um, undergrad created this environment. Yes, there were certain individual pieces, but you created this entire experience of as you move through the space. And that's what I was really hoping to do at the end and conclusion of my thesis in grad school. My experience, I was able to do two different art pieces. Um, I was the first person, my knowledge anyways, from what the university department said was that I had a piece on main campus in the the building, like in what we would consider at Tennessee Tech, the university center, where all the tours would come through. It was on the main level of the university. It was by all the food court. It was by the bookstore, the parents, the, the faculty, everybody was walking past this piece. And uh, it was about my own experience of transition from Tennessee to Missouri. And it was a stair-step opener for my experience of coming out. And in that process, it was, a again, a conversation with my grandmother that happened that when I did come out, I wanted to have that experience um, and tell people. But she goes, why do you feel like you need to tell people? There's this instant need of wanting to let people know and I said, well, I feel like I'm in the closet, but the doors are open. I just felt like I was mm. there. 
people would ask me and I would totally be honest with them. Having that experience of still being in the closet was a little bit difficult. So I made this piece. It was a open, open-ended closet. And then on main in the Fine Arts Building, there was another piece. Uh, it was a concentric all-around circle. It had a range of button-down shirts, solid colors, pattern colors, um, all long sleeve. This pres- prescribed Southern masculinity. And there was an institutional library chair that was in the middle. Because growing up here in the South, we're told it's one way or it's the other way. It's black, it's white. There's no gray area. There's, there's no spectrum of masculinity. And this prescribed masculinity that I viewed was this button-down dress shirt. And if you spent time with this piece, you engaged it. Some who might not know or want to take the time to read the artist statement might see it as just a color wheel. And for myself, it was the pride flag. If you got to know the person as people get to spend time with artwork, they get to know it a little bit more. And so my experience in grad school was a assistant for me to actually come out. And actually that thesis show conversation at the end, my artist talk, it was a Facebook Live and that was my coming out to everyone, social media wise, platform. And then it was just out there. If it's on the internet, it's there. It's stuck. (laughs) Did you feel a relief once you came out, once you presented these pieces? Or was it scary? There was a moment of anxiety of like, okay, this is it. I'm going to do this. Um, There were moments, too, where I gave recognition to certain people who had been supportive throughout that experience. My grandparents um, and my parents actually came out to Missouri for that thesis talk. And um, and then I had my community, my art community that has had always been supportive in grad school there, too. Um, and I think being there and having that acceptance part was just so welcoming and inviting that um, it, art tends to be, in my opinion, more welcoming to diversified individuals, uh, minority groups than a lot of other majors and so – yeah, it was it was a relief to have it out there and just the emboldenment that has come since has been great. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with local artist and community advocate Billy George. You mentioned family and how important family is to you. Has it been nice being back in Cookville and having them around? The transition back has been interesting. Um people ask me all the time, why did you come back? Um, I think that my return back to Cookville was needed, not just for myself, but also needed for those of who I grew up with, as well as those who I met. I find myself kind of in the middle on a lot of different issues, and so I can help kind of be that medium range. But being with family, um, I have my parents are still here. My sister lives in Nolansville with her family and my nephews. And then my brother lives in Chattanooga, and then my grandparents are here. Um, I do have other grandparents in Kentucky. So we're all kind of back in the general area. And I guess I have them at an easier access, and it's great. But then I also have a family that is chosen, Um, my friends that I consider to be family. You know, we go do things, we hang out, uh, similar interests, similar likes, concerts, whatever it is, you know, there's there's an element as I think we get older that our blood family is always our blood family. 
Uh, you know, there's no changing that. And it's great to have them as a resource and support for anything. But our friends sometimes are there in those harder times where we can't talk to or we don't have access to our family because who knows when we need someone other than. Um, but having family here has been great. And family is, I think, an open-ended definition for a lot of people. Um, some people in my situation, whenever they did come out, they don't have their biological family anymore because there has been a dismissing. Um, I've been fortunate that I have that. Um, this past summer, whenever Pride happened locally, my family came. Yes, entire, I saw them there. <laughs> my entire family came. It was great. And uh, that was probably the most beneficial thing for that entire event. I feel like over the past two years in the pandemic, the biological and the chosen family have really come into the culture that your friends are just as important and we've all needed each other and community more than ever. Absolutely. I think that, you know, finding that time, whether it is our self-reflective, but also finding that time to engage. I think with the pandemic, there was a retreat where we felt, we felt that we needed to be semi-isolated and be it if we were living with family or with a partner or whomever, there was this, okay, I've got to get out. But then having that outlet for our friends or a safe space, whether it was my local pub or a outlet for a park or, hey, I want to go and do something, go play a game, go do a round of golf. I don't golf, but <laughs> I just kind of threw that out there. Um, but in those in those moments of finding something that's a commonality to go and do has been great to kind of get people back in this repertoire of whatever normal is for you. More with Billy George after the break. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I'm chatting with local artist and community advocate Billy George. Thank you again for having me. We have talked a lot about your education here. For years you were a student, but now you're the teacher. I am. <laughs> I have taken on a role of substitute teacher, and that came about um, after I had a big wreck in 2018. Um, I was released to kind of go back to work at the end of 2019, and I said, you know, I can't be on my feet all day. Um, I need something that's going to be a little bit easier, temporarily anyways, and so I took up substitute teaching. And be it that I went through the Putnam County school system and then to work in the Putnam County school system has been an experience in its own, uh, especially when you work with some of the teachers you've had. Uh, you you figure out why things were the way they were or why they were done the way that they were done. As a kid, you really have no concept of that. Um, but I think in a separated environment and then brought back to that environment, you you definitely have a different perspective and an experience. Um, and then the pandemic happened, and then there was a very big need. Um, I had opportunities to work a full-time job, but I knew that the need was there. And so I took that experience. Um, and the following year, I worked all year long as a substitute. Um, and that's been great. I met some amazing kids. They see me in town. They're like, hey, Mr. George. And it, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good when they see you. It makes you feel good whenever they something that you taught them clicked. 
Um, some of the substitute assignments have been just individual days. But then I've also had the opportunity to do a long-term stay where you're actually with the same group of kids for multiple weeks, be it for maternity leaves or paternity leaves. And uh, that's been great in an experience, too, of not just having the same group of kids, but working with the same team of teachers. Um, they get to know you. You get to know them. The administration knows you. So it has been a different experience, but a, an enjoyable one, too. I substitute taught last year as well. And one of the things that I would think all the time, I'd see a program or a class and I'd say, oh, I wish I had this when I was here because I, too, went through the Putnam County school system. What are some things that you see in schools today that have been positive changes? I think having the access to certain programming um, I know that amplifies the program that they do. iReady is an extra program that they have that we did not have access to. Um, are good as assistant learners or assistant teaching tools that the teacher can use as supplemental material. Definitely not the main instructional. I still think a, a main instruction from the front of the classroom, including with a book, is great learning. Um, but as added material for students to do at home, um, has, I think, increased better knowledge. Um, I think the definition of homework has definitely changed. Oh, yes. Uh, we actually had what is considered homework, and a lot of times these kids don't grasp that concept. They don't understand that homework means this is, this is work that you take home if you don't get it finished at school. Um, and so I think having those those changing of the times has been a little bit harder, as well as knowing what what we were asked to accomplish in this time frame and what they're asked to accomplish in that same time frame is drastically different. Would you ever consider being a full-time teacher? I've been asked that multiple times. Um, I, I, I don't think I could do K through 12, but if I did, I feel that I would probably enjoy doing middle school age. I think uh, fifth or sixth grade would probably be my ideal. I have a great teacher uh, who I remember from seventh grade really challenging me. That was Roger Johnson in history. I had Mr. Johnson too. He was so good. His tests, oh my gosh, handwritten tests. Handwritten on the legal paper. The long paper. And the first one I can remember, I bombed. But when we went over it, all of a sudden, everything clicked. He had a way of making you really think outside the box. It wasn't just memorizing. It wasn't. You you knew the concepts. You knew the subject matter. But the way that the questions were written really challenged your thoughts and ideas. And that, I think, is what at times is missing in today's education, is really challenging the thought and idea as well as making a retention of the material in a way that encourages the learning. You are involved in so many other community groups as well. What are some projects or groups that you've been a part of since you've come back home? Well, when I came back home, I got involved with Upper Cumberland Pride, was involved with them for about three years. Most recently, I was the Upper Cumberland Pride president, put on Pride at uh, Dogwood Park this past June. Which had a huge turnout, right? It did. It did. There was a team of people that were involved and helped out and made it come together. Um, and it was great. There's events that happen monthly. Keep an eye out for sure. Um, I have been involved in the past with Art Round Tennessee. Um, lots of different visual arts, um, the theater company, Storyteller Theater House, Storyteller Theater Company. 
I think there's a lot of things that people can get involved in. I think if you find something that you want to give of yourself in some regards, there's an organization that you could probably find to fit your your niche. (laughs) I think for sure, um, the Exceptional Bean just opened up, which is a nonprofit community coffee shop that assists people who have mental or physical disabilities. And it's great. It's a great outlet, a great resource, great for the community to see people who are maybe in a different position that might not have opportunities. Uh, there's another nonprofit bookstore that just opened up. There's tons of different things that are available for people to get involved in. It's just Hip Cookville is a great spot just to pose a question. There are thousands of people on the Hip Cookville Facebook page. And from there, you can pose a question, and I guarantee you're probably at least going to get five responses, if not hundreds. Yeah, or call the radio station. We've got a calendar. I will help you. (laughs) There you go. Now, Billy George, I feel like you know the community calendar very well. You are everywhere. You're at all the events, the symphonies. How do you keep track? Are you on Hip Cookville? How do you find all these events and projects to get involved in? I am on Hip Cookville, or at least I follow them. I try to follow as many of the local things that are going on or community organizations that I know that do events regularly, just so that it kind of pops up in my feed. I know that not everybody's on Facebook. I know that not everybody is involved in social media. So I really do think that there needs to be some place for a community calendar, whether it is a rotating billboard that the city owns. It's not owned by a different individual corporation in multiple places that they just put these things on. Thankfully, uh, the Kofo Performing Arts Center, old G's would call it the Drama Center, has that (laughs) rotating billboard, that little uh, marquee that kind of puts on some things that says what's happening at their space as well as in Dogwood Park. But there's other things that happen. And Tennessee Tech has a lot of free things that are going on. If you check out their website, sometimes they're easy to find and sometimes they're not. That's the hard part about finding the information. The music department usually every night of the week has a free concert. The students have stuff going on. The local high schools, middle schools put on theater productions. Keep an Mm -hmm. eye out for those. I know All Good Middle School is doing Aladdin. I know that Cookville Children's Theater is doing uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Prescott South Middle School is doing Little Mermaid. Upperman High School is doing Mamma Mia. I mean, there's there's so many different things. So many. You know, but that now to see that the theater has kind of transitioned into the middle schools is amazing, too. Yes. Kids are getting exposed earlier. Um, I can remember going to children's theater shows as a kid and seeing this, seeing the theater as a young person, but to also know that it's an outlet where they can get involved at a younger age is amazing, too. So what are some changes that you hope to see in the community in the future? I think seeing more people get involved and being accepting in these diversified outlets. Um, Impact Cookville is a great uh, organization that's here to help highlight and uh, give people outlets of how, how to get involved, whether they are already in a minority group, whether they know someone who's in a minority group, but they have advocates for businesses about how to implement um, management styles or how to be a part of the community, how to get involved in social causes, justice causes, bring awareness and attention to certain things within the workplace, um, and just 
you know, in, information. I think I think people just need to be aware. Um, and Cookville has changed in so much where we're becoming more diversified in the quantity of different types of restaurants. I mean, you and I grew up here. We had El Tapatio as our Mexican Love restaurant. And from there, we've now expanded. And I don't even know the quantity of Mexican restaurants that we have. I just found out we have four Mexican grocery stores. Who knew? And I think to see the the influx of diversified restaurants beyond just Hispanic food, but then the number of people who are coming in from out of town, whether it's because of the university, whether it's because of the welcoming culture of what Cookville is, um, I think the the West End is becoming a great spot for people to come yes. and hang out. So Father, many great small businesses. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Father Tom's made an expansion on their patio. 37 Cedar just expanded into a new space as well to widen their acceptance. Um, Bread Silo has the outdoor space as well. And then we have Hicks Farm Brewery that's there. Obviously, Ralph's is a well-known location. Cream City <laughs> Ice Cream. I mean, there's actually ice cream there now. When we were growing up, there was no ice cream. None. It was there. But um, so, yeah, I mean, the West End is a growing population spot. We have the Glass Tangerine now, you know, Harper's Rare Books. It's just there's so many things that are going on. The Silver Fern, a new gallery location spot that's on Spring Street. There's there's a lot of things that are around if people can just be aware. We had poets. We had poets. We had bookworks. There's very few things. I, I kind of miss Wheeler Skating Rink. I will be the honest. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so many injuries at Wheeler Skating Rink. <laughs> Billy George, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about community advocacy and your art. And thank you again for substitute teaching all of our community's children. Well, thank you again for having me, Caroline. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, you're all stationed. This segment is great for people to have access to. Have a great Monday.